Nelson, we have a lot to get through today. So um, the floor is yours and I'll let you take over. Great. Thanks, Gary. Um, so today we're going to look at how once you've identified the business challenge you want to solve and you've developed your L&D strategy, now the question is, how are you going to implement this strategy when it's needed the most? Um, and how are you going to make sure you maximize your impacts and minimize any kind of wasted effort and resources? And the way to do that is to use an agile inspired lean learning sprint. So what the hell is a lean learning sprint? Well, it's a process that delivers value to your internal customers faster while helping you gather feedback early and often so you can continuously improve what we do. And they're time boxed increments that enable cross-functional stakeholders to work together to go from being a bit ignorant about the business problem to getting to a point where we can deliver a strategy that actually delivers value to both the employee and the wider business. It's a bit like agile and design sprints for those of you who are familiar with that, but the lean learning sprints are an effective way for you to break down your workload into smaller chunks to deal with rapidly changing business demands over time in, in the way that say Scrum is a framework for putting agile methodology into practice, lean learning sprints is really a way to apply both lean and agile principles to the way you implement your LND strategy. Now, typically lean learning sprints are about two to four weeks long. They're relatively short length of time. It might be a shock to the system if you're used to working on annual planning cycles and quarterly targets, but at the current pace of change, businesses can boom or go bust in that period. So you need to work in shorter increments. Most L&D teams find that two-week sprints often works best for them as it's short enough to get feedback quickly whilst long enough to complete work of meaningful value. Now, using Lean Sprints, we can release learning experiences quicker, receive feedback early to iterate on it and apply what we learn to future development. So running a sprint is a Bit like building a shared understanding of the challenge across the relevant stakeholders. And once everyone knows what they're working towards, the sprint provides momentum, focus, and confidence. As kind of cross-functional teams work together to make decisions and share daily status updates, it promotes transparency across individual and team levels. And the fixed time frame of the sprint prompts you to act faster while follow-ups and decisions happen in hours and days rather than weeks and months. And this flexibility allows you to course correct and reprioritize while working on it. So I've told you why a lean learning sprint is amazing. Now the question is, how do we run a lean learning sprint? Now the first step is to assemble that team. So who should be in the room? Now typically in a sprint team should have about five to seven people with diverse skill sets from cross-functional teams. And there are three main roles in the sprint team. Sprint master, challenge owner, and then your learning experience team. Now the sprint master is responsible for assembling the team and keeping them on track. They lead the process and they run the sprint meetings. When discussions go off tangent, they're the ones to bring you back on track and get you to focus on the sprint goal or output. And when you hit barriers that slow down the momentum, of your learning flywheel, which I'll come to later on, it's the sprint master that finds those answers and helps the team shuffle priorities to continue with their progress. The sprint master can be the L&D manager. However, it's not necessary. The person who takes the role needs to be an influential leader and a coach rather than a command and control master. So when selecting your sprint master, it's more important that the person has the relevant skills. 
For instance, your sprint master should be good at fostering relationships between people. So it helps if they're well-networked people within the organization. The sprint master also needs to actively listen to opinions and concerns, allow for discussions and debate, manage different perspectives constructively. So find the person in your team who can do all of the above and give them the role. Now we come to the challenge owner. They represent the voice of the internal customer. They help the rest of the sprint team deeply understand the business challenge you're trying to solve. The CEO provides the North Star that the team is working towards, the desired outcome you're trying to collectively achieve. This role is the bridge between your target internal customer and the sprint team. They're the expert in the problem, not necessarily the solution. So it's important to recognize that they are the authority in telling you the problem, but not necessarily deciding what the solution is. The CEO needs to be the expert. However, they, they need to support the LX team. There's no point in them kind of hoarding that information. They're really there to make sure everyone is aware of the business challenge and to provide the data that helps that learning experience team really understand. With this information team, it's the LX team that will work together on providing that solution. Any questions so far about bringing the team together? We're all good at the moment, Nelson. Perfect, all right. Now we go, once we've assembled our team, we've got our Sprint Master, you've got your Challenge Owner, and we've got a cross-functional LX team. And just on the LX team, um, it's important to have a cross-functional set of skills um, who, because it's gonna take a lot more than just your kind of traditional L&D skill set for you to be able to deliver that solution to the organization and to track whether it's working or not. And given they're gonna be responsible for designing and developing learning experiences, they're gonna be enabling subject matter experts to share their knowledge. They're gonna be curating your learning ecosystem and setting up the infrastructure to deliver the learning experiences. It's important that they've got a range of different skills, everything from curation to being able to evaluate data, um, and so often we see in LX teams consist of anywhere from designers, technologists, performance strategists, data analysts, and marketers. Now, again, it goes back to they don't always have to permanently be in the L&D team, but you're borrowing skills and talent from across the organization to help you deliver this sprint. Now, it's often impossible to get a person who can own each of those. So find people with T-shaped skills that can support across multiple disciplines. Again, the job roles don't matter as much here as the necessary skills to solve the challenge. And the LX team can change based on your strategy and the business challenge you're trying to solve. What's really important is the LX team needs to be self-organizing team with a high level of autonomy and accountability. They can flag any queries or blockers to the challenge owner and the sprint master respectively. And while the challenge owner owns the purpose and outcome, it's the LX team that owns how you reach that outcome. Now, an agile approach fails when organizational hierarchy and authority are reflected in how sprint teams are organized. The sprint team should be self-organizing and must share knowledge horizontally. The Lean Learning Sprint is essentially a collaborative problem-solving process that works better when synergy and strong relationships between the people is involved. Nelson, just a quick question before we move on. Sure. What happens if people need to play multiple roles in with across that or is that something we should avoid 
and across in terms of same like maybe being yeah maybe being the challenge owner and the sprint master or like part yeah, of the I, team I, and... i'd recommend not i mean really when you look at it there are only three roles and i'm sure in our team we should be able to pull in um those three different roles because they're not permanent roles either often what you find is the challenge owner could be the stakeholder from the team so for example if i'm working on a sales enablement problem uh, that challenge owner might be a senior person from the sales team a sales manager or a sales leader um, it's important to have those free designated roles because it's a lot of responsibility and you need to make sure they're fighting from the right corner and representing that perspective. Cool, thanks. So now you've got your team members in place. You start with Sprint Zero. Now Sprint Zero um, can also be about two to four weeks in length, but it's to get you set up for success. So it's just like a normal lean learning sprint but it's defined by the deliverables that are expected to be done. So the goal of the Sprint Zero is to frame the business challenge you're trying to solve and make sure everyone's aligned on it and to make sure you're all locked and happy on your L&D strategy. Now, coming up with your L&D strategy is a topic that I could probably spend a day workshop on anyway, but we recommend using the learning canvas. If you're not familiar with it, I talk about it in my book, The Learning at Speed. Uh, we're potentially going to be doing a workshop about it um, in the future. And so follow us on LinkedIn um, to, to stay in the loop on that. Now, in Sprint Zero, the Sprint team will decide the length of the subsequent sprint. So are you going to do two-week sprints, four-week sprints? And consider other planning factors that you need to be able to implement your learning strategy. So, for example, who are the experts we need to work with? How can we connect with our target audience? Who can you recruit to test your learning experiences? How will you get the team together for the sprint meetings? What tools and infrastructure do we need to manage our sprints and execute this learning strategy? Are there any upcoming holidays that we need to know about to be aware of any blockers? These are all of the things you need to think about during Sprint Zero to set yourself up for success. Now, with all of this info in place, we can all now start our first lean learning sprint. Now, how do we do this? So let's visualize the first day of your lean learning sprint. The first day is all about ideating how you will turn your strategy into learning experiences that your internal customer can engage with and how you can deliver value to them. We recommend splitting day one into two workshops. In the morning, you'll kick it off with what we call the idea mapping workshop. And it should not take any more than 90 minutes. You can do this in person or you can do it virtually and it will be facilitated by the sprint master. You just need a whiteboard, some post-its and some stickers. I'll explain. In this session, you want to collectively explore four things. What learning resources do you need to solve this business challenge? Is it coaching? Is it job aids? Is it short co uh, courses? Is it a live workshop? The second thing is how will you deliver this to your internal customer? Will you push it to them via your calendar or will they discover it from your learning platform? The third one is when do you need to de deliver it to them? What's the moments that matter? Is it the first day when they join? Do they need it when they're on customer calls? Is it when they've just been promoted as a manager? And the last one is how will you measure if this learning experience is working? So how many people are engaging? Is it actually helped them improve their performance? How will you find that out? These are the things for you to think about in this first workshop. Now, these are the four building blocks to help you build a learning experience and connect it 
to your employees in a timely and relevant manner. Now, there isn't time enough time now to discuss the merits of the ideas and to get, but in the session, what you would do is essentially highlight the ideas that you want to focus on. And a way that we recommend is to use democracy. Now, for any of you who've not heard of that, it's essentially where you give everyone in your team, I'd recommend two dot stickers, and then you ask them to add the stickers for the sticky notes with their favorite ideas. This process will help you keep further discussions more focused. Now it's the time to discuss the merits of the highlighted ideas. So in this segment, it should take about 40 minutes. And it's vital that during this segment for the Sprint Master to facilitate effective feedback that helps expand on what's possible rather than simply a discussion that points out problems. A useful technique to facilitate better discussions about ideas is actually a concept that's used by Pixar Film Studios, which is called plussing. Now, when Pixar's creators got together to review a day's work, they expected to give each other feedback to improve that work. However, there's an important rule. Participants point out a problem without proposing an alternative saying what if to a problem. So plussing creates an environment where you collaboratively build an ideas rather than randomly shutting down ideas completely. So when the creative director for Pixar's Toy Story 4, for example, doesn't like how Woody's eyes roll from frame to frame, he won't just toss the sketch away. Instead, he'll plus it by asking the story artist, I like the way you drew Woody's eyes. What if it rolled to the left? While that might seem like semantics, the feedback effect is significant. Rather than rejecting ideas entirely, Pixar creates an additive approach to sharing feedback. By the end of that first hour now, you now have an idea of how your learning strategy might look like as learning experiences. Now you use the final 30 minutes to make a list of items that need to be researched before you start building out these learning experiences. For example, if the idea involved curating short videos, where would you get these from? Or if you're thinking about offering one-to-one -one virtual coaching, who will provide this and at what cost? The Sprint Master is responsible for delegating the task to each team member and communicating that the research needs to be completed by the afternoon workshop that takes place at the end of the day. Now, this might sound like a really short turnaround time, but that's intentional. You don't want people to procrastinate on research. At this moment, you just need enough information to validate whether it's worth spending any further time working on this idea. It's best to schedule the second workshop late in the afternoon to give the team most of the day to research the variables flagged in the morning session. Now, this session should also not take any longer than 90 minutes. The second workshop is about planning your sprint. It starts with the sprint team um, scoring the different ideas for the learning experiences using the ICE approach. Now, if you've heard our show before, we've gone over ICE, but I'll quickly summarize it. ICE stands for Impact, Confidence, Effort. So impact is out of 10. How much impact do you think this learning experience will have? Confidence is how confident are you that you will deliver this impact? And effort is it how easy is it for you to create this learning experience? You give each one of those a score out of 10. You multiply the three numbers to get your ICE score. And the ideas with the highest ICE score are the ones that you should go with first because they're your easy wins. As you work through the scoring, team members can share what they learned from their research, costs, availability, complexity, et cetera. 
It's the sprint master's role to keep people on track and ensure that discussions don't go off on tangent. Now with the scores in place, you'll end up with one or two scenarios. Either you have a clear winner or you'll have multiple ideas with the same ice score. Now in the case of the latter, the challenge owner will decide which idea to pursue. This avoids any wasting time and endless discussions and it helps the team move forward. Now you know your learning experiences you want to test, it's time to build out your sprint backlog. Now the sprint backlog is basically a to-do list of what needs to be done for you to start testing your ideas. Going back to the example I had, do you need to find coaches? Do you need to create job aids? Do you need to upload them to your learning platform? What marketing do you need to create for people to be aware of these learning resources? So it's that collective to-do list. Now, effective way to manage your task is using a Kanban board. Now, some of you might already do this. You can create one using any project management tool, um, Trello, Jira, ClickUp, Google Sheets. The Kanban board basically has three columns, to do, progress, and done. So you can easily track the progress of each task. Ensure each task you add has a clear definition of what done looks like, so there's no confusion. And then you're not adding tasks that will take longer than the sprint for you to complete. At the end of day one of your lean learning sprint, you should have defined the learning experience ideas you're going to test and created a sprint backlog of tasks to get done. Now, sprint planning is a collaborative effort. The sprint master facilitates the meeting, the change owner, the challenge owner rather, clarifies the details of the sprint backlog items and their respective acceptance criteria. And the learning experience team defines the work and effort necessary to meet the sprint commitment. Now we start testing. Now what you'll find is most of your lean learning sprint is made up of testing your learning experience ideas by going through the steps of the learning flywheel. Now the learning flywheel is an iterative approach to finding the learning experience that will solve your business challenge. The process is captured with the two integrated learning loops that you see in front of you. The first one is the learning experience loop. Now, this is the process every employee goes through to learn the knowledge and skills they need to improve their performance. It's made up of four steps, learning, practice, feedback, share. And this loop is delivered and derived from the last few decades of significant progress that's been made in the scientific understanding of how humans learn. Now, the second loop is the learning experience design loop. Now, this is the process the L&D team goes through to build the minimum valuable learning. It's made up of three steps, which is ideate, build, and test. Now this loop is based on the build, measure, learn loop at the core of the lean startup model. Now both of the learning loops feed into one another, building momentum with every turn like a flywheel. Every time an employee interacts with your learning experience, it basically generates information and data both qualitative and quantitative, that provides insights on how to improve the learning experience to create new value. This in turn drives the next iteration of your learning experience, which takes you closer to the learning challenge fit. Now, what does this look like in practice? So here's what a two week sprint would look like. On day one, we discuss, you've done your sprint planning, you know what learning experiences you're gonna work on, and you've come up with a sprint black of a backlog of tasks that you need to work on. Now, day two, we start on the learning flywheel with the first step, which is built. Now, the team should start picking up their tasks from the Kanban board 
and updating the status accordingly. Now, any blockers that come up should be flagged to the sprint master. For any tasks that come up as the team progress through the flywheel, the sprint master should add that to the sprint backlog and assign it to someone in the team. Now, quite often, LMB teams that have a history of creating a lot of content fall back into old habits and spend too much of their time trying to create the perfect content. Now, if there is any such thing as perfect content, it's content that gets you to the learning challenge fit and requires more than just the build step. As your first sprint is your first turn of the learning flywheel, you've got the most unknowns and assumptions baked in. And for that reason, it's better for you to spend less time on build because there's a higher chance what you're building could go to waste. So in your first sprint, spend no more than one day to build. And then in later sprints, you can push that to two days maximum. And remember, the build step is not about creating lots of your own content. It's about leveraging your learning ecosystem to build a learning experience that you can make available to your target audience as quickly as possible to start gathering feedback. Now, as a part of your sprint, you'll have daily stand-ups. Now, daily stand-ups are quick 15-minute call that takes place first thing in the morning where the sprint team flag any blockers for getting their task done. Now, the sprint master will run the meeting with each team member sharing the answer to three questions. The first one is, what did they get done yesterday? What did they do today? Or what are they planning to do today? And are there any blockers that are stopping them from getting their work done? Now, the sprint master, with the help of the other team members, will work together to remove these blockers so the team can get the task done and move forward. For example, this might require getting the right stakeholders involved as quickly as possible or getting access to the required data to complete a task. Running daily stand-up keeps the team on the same page and encourages proactive communication. Teams can ensure that there's a consistent flow of information so no one says, oh, I didn't know that was happening, or sorry, I didn't know I was supposed to have got that done. These meetings are brief by design and play a big role in running the sprint effectively. Schedule a recurring calendar invite to set the expectation for the same time and place. You can do the meeting in person, literally standing up, so people know it'll be a quick meeting and they don't need to get too comfortable. Alternatively, you can host it virtually, with the Sprint Master sharing their screen with the Kanban board, or even better, we've just started doing this using a Slack bot, uh, which means you can now do it asynchronously and everyone can still stay in the loop. Now, as you go through the learning experience design loop from the learning flywheel, within the first few days of the sprint, think ahead of the things you might need for user testing. You should already know the test users from Sprint Zero but make sure you complete recruiting people to test your learning experience in the first week of the sprint. Now, you don't need too many people to test. According to really great research by the Nielsen Group, you can discover 85% of your usability problems from just five test participants and 100% of the problems with at least 15 users. Just ask them qualifier questions to ensure that they match your target audience and experience the problem you're trying to solve. Confirm they'll be available to test your learning experiences during the sprint. Now, gathering unbiased feedback from your learners and stakeholders is critical for determining whether the challenge um, you're trying to solve has been solved, and also have you reached the desired impact. 
create a feedback board to capture all of your data in one place so it's easy to identify recurring topics and share findings with the whole team. Now, on the last day of your sprint, it's time to evaluate what and how you've done. Now, this can either be done in one combined workshop or you can spread it across two workshops on the same uh, day. Now, the first one is a sprint review. Now, this session, it involves the sprint team, the key stakeholders, the partners, and collectively reviewing the progress you've made in the sprint. However, the focus is on the progress from an outcome perspective, rather than how many of your planned tasks did you get done? We typically recommend about 90 minutes for this session. The challenge owner should prepare to present the feedback data from the sprint. This is the raw data that was already made available to the sprint team on a feedback board. So the focus on this one isn't to go through every bit of feedback, it's actually to look at the trends and the insights that come from that feedback you've received from employees. Now this session enables the feedback step um, and allows you to turn the learning flywheel again. Now, if you've not tested your learning experience by this point in the sprint, it's impossible for you to start the feedback loop. Now the insights need to be organized to demonstrate parts of the learning experience that helped move you towards your desired outcome and those that didn't. What can you learn from these respect, um, respectively? So for example, did a learning resource get high engagement but poor qualitative feedback about its usefulness. This might validate the need and effectiveness of your marketing, but it might suggest that the learning resource doesn't deliver the required value. The challenge owner's insight should form the foundation for any further discussion about what could be changed about the learning experience. Your final meeting in your Lean Learning Sprint is the Sprint Retro, and it only requires the Sprint team it's basically you looking back on the sprint and it's facilitated by the sprint master to identify how to improve the way the sprint team work together. Now, this session is an opportunity to review the team's performance rather than the performance of the learning experience. Now, the sprint master can structure this session around a free question agenda. First question being how successful was the sprint? To get each team member to rate it by selecting a number between one and 10, 10 meaning very successful and get them to explain why. The second question is what went well? Celebrate the wins. It's a lot of work, so make sure you're high-fiving each other. And the last one is how could you improve the way you work? So you're learning how to deliver better learning, right? And it's an iterative process. For each question, everyone should capture their answers on a sticky note, one sticky note for each thought. Did you manage to curate helpful resources faster? Was it challenging to work with the experts? get the sprint team to put it down on a sticky note. It's worth making sure everyone knows the format of the sprint retro and they're made aware that they will need to contribute so they come prepared. The purpose of the session is to push the team to evaluate their performance honestly, rather than glossing over errors and overhyping their own success. The retro is also a great opportunity for everyone in the team to voice their feedback, positive or negative. All fair and reasonable feedback should be considered. And over time, this process will become a habit that helps push the team towards continuous improvement. So there you have it. You've completed your first sprint. Now, you'll be starting all over again with your next sprint, but this time with more information, more confidence, more learning, more feedback. The first few sprints you run will feel intense. 
you're fundamentally changing how your team works and together solve business challenges using learning. Now, many times you can go from feeling like this is brilliant to, oh no, this won't work in minutes, which is an uncomfortable feeling. Now, this is a part of the process. It's important to reinforce to the team that if they trust it, it will work. It helps to congratulate, thank, and applaud the team for the work and participation. Have a team social at the end of each sprint or every other sprint um, and break away from sprint chat because what's really important is to build those relationships between the team members. It really helps towards how productive the sprints are. Now, lean learning sprints can help you implement that learning flywheel and generate remarkable impacts quickly. And most importantly, without wasting unnecessary time and resources. Now, this is how you can implement the sprint framework and adapt it to your own organization and culture. And you know, if you started with a two-week sprint, very quickly you'll find out what works for you and what doesn't. It's a lot of information to take in. So I'll pause there for any questions. Cool. Cheers, Nelson. Uh, I think we'll definitely have to extend these to 45 minutes because we have got some great <laughs> questions so next time workshop will be advertised as, as 45 minutes and if anyone does need to drop off we're going to record this section as well and it will be on the um the link that you get later but uh let's run through yeah, a few of these questions Nelson. the first one is from maduri can you just take this principle and apply it to existing teams as well like would this work if we just mapped it onto teams that already work together already have these goals and stuff in place yeah, absolutely. Right. I think what you're doing is changing the cadence of how you work. And so you probably already have a lot of the skills that you need to assemble a sprint team. Um, and so you can just kick it off by one little project, right? You don't have to be ambitious to say we're going to change completely how we run LND in the organization. It starts with one little project. It might be onboarding, right? Let's use lean learning sprints to change the way we do onboarding. Um, and that could be a great place to start. So absolutely, you can apply it to, to existing projects that you're working on. Cool. Um, is there any times, um, it's a question from uh, Dee Parks in the chat, but it's about, I guess, like context of when this would work. Like, is there any particular learning programs where this approach would really work? Or is there any that come to mind where you think could be better to do it over a longer period, I guess? Hey. Death, it works for every project, right? And this is why, you know, Agile, we, we kind of borrow from engineering. But to give you an example at how now, every single team works on a two-week sprint. Everyone from marketing to product to engineering uh, to the people team work on a two-week sprint. So you can definitely apply the Agile principles and, and the sprint format to any type of work. And um, the whole idea of it is to, like I mentioned at the beginning, is to break it down into achievable chunks of work and to have a faster, more frequent feedback loop. And that framework, you can apply to any type of work you do in the organization. Yeah, I think it's that part about the, the minimizing the waste, isn't it, Nelson? You know, um, it could feel like you need to plan really far ahead, but actually that could end up being kind of a resource sink, doesn't it? So like, uh, or like a drain for resources, I guess. Yeah. Uh, a quick question from Jake as well. When we're talking about that point of, is this good enough? Are we ready to go? Do you have any tips on how we can know if we're at that point that this is worth us testing? Um, and yeah, I guess that, that is it in a nutshell, really. Yeah, I think is this worth testing comes back down to that collective perspective, right? And that's where the prioritization framework of using ICE is really useful um, because it's actually giving you clear guidelines to assess, you know, do we think this idea is going to have 
good impact? Are we confident about it? And actually, is it easy to implement? And so I think looking at all of your ideas through the ICE framework helps you validate um, and take some risk out of it. But it's also rem worth remembering that an idea is not, it's a hypothesis, right? And that's the reason why you're testing it. So out of the you know 10 ideas that you might have, you might choose three ideas that you're going to first test um, and you're going to test the assumptions that are baked into that idea. So you might assume actually having a workshop where the CEO introduces the values of the organization is a really useful part of the onboarding experience. That's an idea. And so we take that idea and we go, actually, do we think it's going to have a high impact yet? Yeah. We're quite confident, yes, because the CEO can inspire people about the journey. Is it difficult to do? Not really. Actually, we can schedule it once every two weeks. And so it seems like a worthwhile idea to test. And very quickly within a sprint format, you can pull that together and test it and start to gather initial feedback. Um, and so I think the ICE framework is really critical for prioritizing which ideas you end up testing. Otherwise, where we've seen when you don't have that prioritization, uh, teams start to procrastinate, right? And, and we don't realize we're doing it, but just throwing ideas. We, we all love talking about our ideas and trying to convince people that our ideas are great, um, which very easily you can end up finding yourself where most of the time has just been spent people trying to convince each other of their ideas versus ice brings a, a level of discipline to how we validate that. Yeah. Are we talking about the thing or are we doing the thing? It's my new favorite <laughs> saying that I'm telling people, Nelson. But a quick second part of that question as well is how do we avoid this? When we get ready to test, how do we avoid this like little process of let's make a small tweak, let's make a small amends? Like how do we set clear guidelines that once it gets to that period, that point where we're going to test it, we do just test it and then measure the re results rather than subjective changes and stuff like that? Yeah, I think it's reminding yourself that right now again everything you're about to test is a hypothesis right you don't know right and so what you you want to motivate the team to do is the sooner we can get this in the hands of actual learners the sooner we're going to be able to get valuable feedback and data that's going to tell us what um, whether this is working or not up until that point it's just your opinion and so we need to kind of continuously challenge the idea that are we basing this on gut feels and opinion um, rather than actual data and get the team focused around capturing real feedback, real data to make more well-informed decisions rather than just going on people's gut fields. Yeah. Yeah. I found that myself, Nelson. Like a good question to ask, is this an objective change because something's wrong or is it a subjective change? And if it's subjective, then we are going to just go around forever on like the, yeah. the classic copywriter meme of like round 17 of edits, but <laughs> this is highly important. Um, unfortunately, Penny had to drop off, but she did leave a question before she went. And I guess to paraphrase it, it's if, if you're working on projects where people are based globally from different departments, there's more of those variables. Um, it's more about like the, the idea of reducing the frequency of the stand up or using maybe like async um, tools. Someone mentioned stand up bot in the chat that I think you mentioned as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. How can you do that? Yeah, and I think the whole idea of the kind of sprint format is not actually to increase the volume of meetings you have. The whole idea is if all the information of, for example, the definition of done and the acceptance criteria is in your Kanban board. Um, if all of the information is captured and made available, like the feedback is captured on a board and made available to everyone, we don't need a meeting for us to read things to together, right? We could all do that in our own time and use the synchronous time that we have together to actually do the discussion and challenge each other and share ideas 
And so the idea of the format is actually to reduce the number of meetings you have. But like that was mentioned with a daily stand-up, I mean, it is only 15 minutes. Um, we know companies who still enjoy doing it in person. Actually, some of the teams in our organization still like to do it in person. It's just a great way uh, to, to build that relationship again. Um, but you can do it asynchronously. And, you know, we've been testing out using a stand-up uh, bot for the last um, couple of months. And actually, it's been super helpful. And um, you do it asynchronously. It doesn't take that much time. And it's also visible to everyone who's involved. So there are definitely ways of doing it async. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Nelson. That was all of the questions. So massive thank you for, for going through all of that today. Like you said, it was a, a lot to unpack. So but lots of people left some great comments in the chat. So it was uh, really well received. Great. Thank you very much. And if you do have any questions following this, feel free to reach out to us yeah. uh, via LinkedIn. And I'm sure Gary will follow up with some great show notes for you as well. Yeah, exactly. If you like Nelson said, all these links will be in the show notes. But if you want to know more about learning at speed, Nelson's book, you can go to Kogan Page's website and search for it there. If you want to know about future workshops like this, you can just go to lu.ma forward slash how now. And if you didn't join us live, but want to leave some feedback, just reach out to us on LinkedIn. It's probably the easiest way. So thanks a lot, everyone. And uh, hopefully see you again soon.